Hashtag Jesus. Jesus is the way to God. Always the time for Eastern, the church used as a special season to focus themselves on Jesus alone. The different approaches to God, we will figure out the mystery of Christ because Jesus said, I've come to give life, the life to the fullest. Hashtag be silent. <laughs> not for me, I'm not silent. I am loud, I'm from Kosovo. Be still. Oh, how I love to be still. In the morning, before I get up, I just lay there and I thank God and I just be still. Be still. That's absolutely main topic. Now I have a new subwoofer in the back and it's so great sound. I mean, God says often sip the lip. So you can listen to those who have something to say. And probably it's not you. Last week, I came back from work with my BMW. Now have you listened? Listen, listen to me, listen to me. Shut up and listen to those who have something to say, something important. I drove into my garage and I put out the, uh, the car and then I waited till the lights go down. I'm a singer. Watch up. There I am, huh? Everybody has his own gifts. This is mine. Yeah, what's that? Oh, you guys told me to be still. So I shut up. And then I heard nothing except the engine cools down. And then I really get sentimental, you know? I gotta go, I have some more work to do. Praise the Lord Almighty. Oh, how I love to praise the Lord in the morning. You might have another one probably, like, shut up. Hello, ICF. Good afternoon. The topic of this week is to be still, be still. So uh, I'm going to read to you before I share with you three thoughts about uh, why God is asking us to be still. So uh, I hope you're ready. You're very quiet. Are you ready? So I'm going to read to you from the English translation, certainly. Or you want me to read in German? You prefer in German? No? Well, by the way, I do, I do, yeah, Bahasa Indonesia, okay, I can speak Bahasa, and then everybody uh, get a translation uh, in your ear. Well, the English says that uh, Psalm, or from Psalm 46, verse 10, he says, God said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. It is really interesting that God is actually not only suggesting but he's like commanding us to be still. 
And the reason he, he said that for us to be still is in order for us to know him. Isn't it interesting that it is not just uh, about doing something, but being something. So like I told you, I'm going to share with you three thoughts on why God is actually asking us to be still. So the first thought that I have written down, why is he actually asking us to be still, or even commanding us to be still, uh, point number one or key number one, or thought number one, I wrote it down this way. The key to know God lies in our being, not in our doing. Isn't it interesting, he said, be still and know that I'm God. Because I noticed that since the first day the human being was created, the first person that was created, Adam, he was immediately put into work. We understand that human beings are designed to work. You and I, our natural tendencies are to do something. We always want to do something. We would like to do something. I know that there are some men who may not agree with me because you may not like to do something. That's why you got some pressure from your wives who always push you and say, you do something. Right. Some men may not agree with me, but if we want to be honest, if we want to be very sincere to ourselves, we do get our significance when we have achieved something. We do, we do get our sense of security when we know that we can do something very well. That is actually the nature of who we are because God created us that way. That's why the first day God created Adam, immediately God put Adam to work. As a matter of fact, he, he put Adam to work or he gave Adam work before he gave Adam wife. So in Asia, we used to say to our young people, no work, no wife. <laughs> Who agrees with me to have a wife you require to work? You actually has to work very hard. Do I get a good amen from some man? <laughs> wow, that was a trick question. Don't answer that, actually. You gotta get a big punch from your wife. What did you say? Well, but naturally, we like to work. We like to do something. We like to control what is controllable. So that's why when, 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 when God is commanding us, be still and know that I am God, it is very interesting to find out that in order to, not, to know that He is God, it doesn't lie within our ability of doing. The same way when you try to convince or you try to introduce your experiences with God or what you will go through with God to somebody, sometimes we think that we are not capable enough to explain what God does in our lives to people. But actually, it doesn't lie within our ability to do something or even to explain what God does in our lives because sometimes what you experience or what you go through spiritually is very difficult to describe, isn't it? Sometimes, many times, people ask me, what, what, are, you going, or what, what, what are you doing when you actually raise your hands to worship God? I say, I worship Him. Then people observed and said, yeah, why, why are you crying or why are you dropping your tears? Are you sad? Then I answered, Many times, no, I wasn't sad, I was happy. But if you're happy, why are you dropping your tears? Then even further, if some of us are filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in another tongues, and they are saying like, you're speaking uh, a French a, a foreign language to me. 
what are you saying? Do you know what you're saying? And then when we answered no, we don't know what we are saying, it sounds even more puzzling to many people. And many of, of us find it difficult to explain to people what we're actually going through. But you know what? God is actually teaching us and showing to us that, you know, in order for human being to know me that I am God, lies not within their ability to do something, but in their ability to be still. To make it more clear to you, let me explain or let me give you my personal testimony. Like I told you, or uh, maybe some of you noticed or remember the last time I came, I told you that I've lived in Germany for quite some time. I had my education in Germany. I'm a Deutsche engineer, uh, a German engineer. I lived in Germany between 1985 until 1995, uh, 1999. So uh, in those years, uh, I was trained as an engineer. And as a German engineer, you are trained to actually not believe in anything you can't see, not believe in anything you can't touch, and you want to make sure that everything you do is under your control. That's the German engineering. For example, we have a saying that it's called Dreifachsicherheitsfaktoren. Uh, I don't know whether it, it means something to you. Those who speak German understand what it means. A 300% security factor means whatever you do, you want, to you want to do it three times more secure than it's expected. So if you design something, when you are creating something, uh, that was what I was learning in Germany. That's why in Germany, all the design, all the machines are so expensive because when they say uh, it is uh, that strong, actually, it is actually threefold stronger than what they were saying. But that was years ago. I'm not sure about now because uh, with the competition with China, they may have decreased the quality. But I hope the... The Swiss quality do not decrease though. When you say precise, you still mean precise. When you mean exact, you still mean exact. Are you get what I'm saying? Because Swiss stands for quality. Do I get a good amen? Because indeed, well, German uh, also stands for quality. I hope that they, they, they still hold on to all those values. So again, coming back to Dreifachsicherheitsfaktoren, the threefold security factor. We always want to control what could happen because we do not like surprises, especially the uncomfortable surprises because we like to control everything. During the last 14 years, or the, the, the 14 years I was living in Germany, everything was under control. Everything is secure. Everything is very nice. Everything is predictable because besides we want to control, we want to plan everything. The last time I came, I also tell the story of my German friend, if they plan for holiday, they plan everything in advance. They know exactly next year or two years from now where they're gonna go for holiday. So what they're gonna take for going or what they're gonna take in order to go to that holiday. They, wanna, they, they already plan in advance what they are going to do in that holiday. They already plan where they're going to stay there. They already plan what they're going or where they're going to lie on the beach when they get there. They even find out what are they going to drink when they go there lying on the beach when they get there. They already got everything figured out because they want to plan everything in advance. So that's what I got used to 
The 14 years I lived in Germany. I think there's nothing new to you because you live almost in the same environment. But what I'm going to tell you about is after I went back to Indonesia in 1999, the last 19 years, a lot of things happened. A lot of things that I can't control. A lot of things that is very unusual to me. Just for, to give you a picture of what I'm talking about. During the last 14, or the past 14 years I was living in Germany, I never had a, a power cutoff. And for you who lives in Switzerland, was a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal because ever since I went, to, went back to Indonesia, power cut off, no storm, no power. I lost count how many times. Actually, that's the, the least of the problem that I was facing there. I was telling uh, Dan about when I was searching the availability of, of electricity in Switzerland. You know how many faults you are having capacity compared to Indonesia? Your electricity, your power is 300 times stronger than Indonesia, the country of 253 million. Jakarta has 10 million. The whole country of Switzerland has only seven or 14? Eight millions. See, with eight million of people, your power, your storm, is 300, 300 folds more available than our country. That's why no power, no electricity was the smallest problem we faced. In Germany or in Switzerland, when you dial 110, you know exactly what's going to happen. And it's going to happen very quick. In Jakarta, you call 110, something may happen. <laughs> in, in, in Zurich, you have some problem, you call 112. Is that ambulance 112 here? 117, oh sorry, 117. You know exactly the ambulance is going to come. In Jakarta, you call ambulance? They may come. They may come. So, what I'm going to share with you is actually what I went through the past 19 years after I took the decision to live the secure, predictable, comfortable life. And let's have a look at this video and I'll be back talking to you later after the video.
I feel like this afternoon, the Holy Spirit is prompting me to challenge some of you. Because some of you are going to go into situations that you can't control. You may be challenged to give up security, predictability, and control of something you have been able to control. Just like God was challenging me going back 19 years ago. But one thing I can tell you, it wasn't always easy. Life was unpredictable because you never know what could happen tomorrow. 2004, 9th of September at 10.32 in the morning, we lost our church, we lost our office because we were actually next to the Australian embassy and the Australian embassy was attacked. It was a huge car bomb and we lost our facility at 10.32 in the morning on the Thursday. And the next Sunday, we didn't know where to go. And Indonesia is a country with the biggest Muslim population. However, majority of the people, our fellow Muslim citizens, are very friendly and very nice. They are great people. But we all know that there are a small percentage of radical people who try to destroy the harmony. And I understand in Europe, you are facing probably similar fear of unpredictable and uncontrollable future. I'm not trying to play it small. I'm, tr I'm not trying to say that this is not a problem at all. However, I think the Holy Spirit wants me to challenge you this, uh, this afternoon to trust Him because whenever we get into the moment, a situation, condition where we know that we can't do anything or even in the situation when, where we did not or we do not know what could happen tomorrow, the Bible is assuring us that He will show up and He will show Himself to you and He will make Himself known to you. And through that moment, we will know that He is God. I was so grateful that I took the step to go home. After 19 years, I can share with you the, the great testimony. In a big city of Jakarta, every Sunday in six services and two locations, there are average, every Sunday, 16,000 people coming and praising God and glorifying God, amen? And I truly believe, I truly believe that this afternoon there'll be some of you that God is challenging to step out of your comfort zone. You may not live where you live. It's not about going somewhere, but you may probably have to surrender your control to God and be still. Before I move to the next thought, there's one story in the Bible in the New Testament Jesus was telling about a widow who gave two coins to the offering box. You, some of you may know the story, some of you may not. At, at the synagogue, Jesus was sitting there near the offering box and he was observing a widow who gave two coins, two cents to the offering. Compared to some rich people, some rich person like the Swiss, they were giving a lot Schweizer Franken to the offering box. And then Jesus, when Jesus watched this widow and he saw the widow gave two coins, he called all his disciples and he said, you know what? This lady gave more than anybody else. When I read that, my German critical thinking ticks. Then I was asking in which way was the lady giving more? Jesus, do you lose your mind? Are you losing your mind, Jesus? In which way is she giving more? In the currency? No way the lady was giving more. But after a while, 
I felt that the Holy Spirit was opening my eyes to see from God's perspective. Because for this lady, two coins represent everything about her future. The two coins represent everything about her tomorrow. She gave up control, she gave up her security, she gave up everything she hold on to about tomorrow to Jesus. Compared to the rich, they have given a lot in their currency, but compared to what the lady gave, the control they were giving Jesus, just as a very small part, maybe even insignificant compared to what they're still controlling. You may be sitting here, you say that I don't have what it takes. I think I don't have what it takes to serve God. I'm just a simple student. I'm just a simple housewife. I'm just a simple person. I can't evangelize. I don't know what to do. I don't have what it takes. I have only this little sacrifice. But if it is a huge control over your tomorrow, guess what God can do in and through your life? I hope I make sense to you. I hope I really make sense to you. Because I know that this afternoon, God is challenging someone to step out of your comfort zone, to surrender your life. Because I know it's not easy and it's quite scary to actually step into the situation when you're gonna say, your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen? Amen. Next thought. The second reason, the second thought why Jesus was commanding us to be still. I was writing this down. Let me read this to you before I... I continue to explain what I was trying to say to you. I was writing this down. Being calm or being still does not mean the storm is not around you. Rather, it is not within you. The reason God is asking us to be still, it is the opportunity for him to show up and show you how to face the storm. There's no way he can actually bring you or he, he can show himself to you without bringing you in that position to face the storm you have to face. A lot of people are saying that, oh, you can be still, you can be relaxed because you have no problem. You can be relaxed and you can be still because you have no struggles. I say, no, no, I'm not so sure about that because to be still and to be calm does not mean that you are not facing trouble. But to be still and to be calm means that you don't allow the storm to come within you. The 5th of December my right eye was diagnosed uh, with a problem. It's called medically uh, retina detachment. It could cause a blindness if it doesn't get fixed. Long story short, three days later, they, the doctor tried to, 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 to treat it with a laser treatment. In other words, they tried to stick it back with laser. So three days later, I have to come back for a checkup. This is what the doctor do usually. He would ask me to look up, I mean my eye, my eyeball, look up, look left or top left and then left and then left down, left and then down, right. Then, you know, it goes around the circle that way. Three days, six days, one week, two weeks, one month passed. So everything went well. Every time he asked me to look into one direction, he would say, good. Next, good, next, good, next, good. And on January the 12th, I was going through a checkup game. At certain position, which is far right, 
below, rechts unten. He stopped there very long. Then he said, look very far, rechts unten. When he stopped for a moment, I couldn't breathe. Then he said, it is not good. It doesn't look good. Another long story short. The next day, I have to go through an eye operation called vitrectomy. Vitrectomy is actually the kind of operation they need to do to fix the problem. I don't want to go very visual into the detail because I don't want to bring discomfort to you. Let's give you a little glimpse of what happened. They put three needles into my eye. So they have to do a lot of things with the three tiny needles. It's tiny, just tiny needles. But it punched through your eye. Right, so, but that's not a big problem because I was under, under anesthesia, so I couldn't feel anything. I didn't feel anything. But what I'm going to share with you is what happened after the operation. In order for my retina to be put back to the position, they have to actually put gas into my eyeball where usually your eye gel was taking place. You're actually looking through an eye gel, so they have to take the gel out and replace it with gas in order to push the whole eyeball to be attached to the tissue of your eye. Now, in order for the gas to work or the balloon of your eye to work, I have to lie down, face down for the next, I don't know how long. The doctor couldn't tell me how long, so I had to, lay, to lie down for 10 days on the floor, face down. Of course, you must be saying, as a pastor who preached on faith and hope and joy every Sunday, it's not a problem for him to lie down like that, right? I was face down ever since the 13th of January for 10 days. The physical challenge is the least of challenges that I went through. But what I'm going to share with you is what was going through my mind when I was down there. To describe what I felt, I found a Bible verse to describe how I felt. Psalm 44, let me read it to you. This verse describe, does describe how I felt. Psalm 44, verse 25, it said that we collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Physically, I was collapsing on the ground. I collapsed. Emotionally, I was face down in the dirt. I don't know how many of you may be feeling the same because physically you may be collapsing or you may collapse or you are collapsing like helpless, nothing you can do. But let me tell you, when I was there on the ground, I know that physically I was still, but emotionally I wasn't still at all. It was a battle inside of me. Every now and then, the thought of what if, what if, what if comes back. I was fearful. I was worried. I didn't know what to do. So like the Bible verse was telling us, physically, I was helpless. But there was one thing that God was doing. When physically, even though we were, appeared to be still, because I was fasting, I was fasting Everything, I was fasting on Instagram, I was fasting on Facebook. Uh, physically, I was there, I, I, was, I, was, I was still, but emotionally, it was a turmoil, it was a storm inside of me. But like I, I wrote to you, to be still 
It's not only about your physical appearance. To be still, it's not only that you are not facing any storm. To be still is when you allow God to take over the boat of your life, the sail of your life. He was the one actually bringing that calmness into my life. When I was there on the floor, I realized that nothing much I can do. I can't control my tomorrow. I can't do much. What I can do is surrender my life to Him. Physically, I was on the floor. Emotionally, I was kaput on the floor. But when I surrender to God, the Spirit of God who lives within me, He started to take over. He started to let me know that He is God and I am not. He started to show up. He started to come into my soul to calm the storm of my life. He started to calm the fear and take over the worry that I had. When, when the thought comes, what if? Because the doctor made me sign because 20% of the surgery fails. Because 20% of the people don't get it fixed because your body has to respond to it. There are 20% of people who doesn't get it as expected. So in your mind, there's like 20%, what if, what if, what if? And after that, every few days I go for the checkup, you, you, you would have guessed. Every time he says, right, rechts unten, he stop. My heart stop. But I believe that because of the Holy Spirit, I survive those moments and I still have the peace of God within me. I don't know who of you would have needed this because some of you, probably your marriage collapsed, your business collapsed, your health collapsed, but there's one thing you can, can still do because the Spirit of God lives within you and He can show Himself strong to you and through you. Amen? I was writing this down. Helplessness is a condition, but hopelessness is a decision. You may be helpless in many situations, but hopelessness is the decision you shouldn't make. Some of you may need to surrender your situation to God and let Him make known to you that He's God and you are not. The last thought. Whenever you decide to surrender to God, He becomes very clear to you, or in other words, you become sensitive to Him. We live in a very noisy, fast-moving world. It's like as if you switch on your Wi-Fi, you have lots of offer of signals and connection. You have to always decide to which connection you want to be connected to. The more you are able to surrender to Him, the more you become sensitive to His voice. And this afternoon, I believe that there are some of you who are praying, Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I want to obey you more. Lord, I want to do greater things with you. Use me. But He can't use you if you don't surrender to Him, if you don't give control to Him. He can't, he can't do what He wants to do with you. At the same time, if you allow worry, fear to take over you, He may be screaming to you, but you can't hear Him, not because He wasn't speaking, but because you were listening to something else. You were connected to something else. So this afternoon, I would encourage you 
to switch off everything else and to be still and allow Him to work in you and through you. So for the, for the next few moments, I would like to invite you all to bow your head. Just close your eyes for a moment and to do what the Bible says, be still and then know that He is God. No matter who you are, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, whatever fear or worry about a future or about anything, or even you're facing something as heavy as I faced. Collapse on the floor, face in the dirt. He can show up and He can show Himself strong to you and through you.